We are in the Gospel of John, first chapter, verses 29 through 42. For some reason, uh, the lectionary just takes a jump out of Matthew into John for a week, and so we're going we're gonna to follow the lectionary text. Uh, but go ahead, and let's, let's read it first, and then we will uh, talk about this uh, interesting scene, and most importantly, a question that we hear within it. Again, the Gospel of John uh, 1, 29 through 42, it says this, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the chosen one. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. As he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which, translates, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. What are you looking for? I most often hear this question as I stand in front of an open refrigerator, wasting energy and waiting for some kind of divine snack intervention to reveal itself to me which it never does because I always just end up eating the same thing. That's what Sarah says as I stand there running up our bill. What are you looking for? I had many a store worker ask me that as I helplessly looked at women's clothes trying to find a present for my wife that she might actually consider wearing in public. What are you looking for? It's a question I ask myself once again as I have walked from one room to another for a reason that has managed to escape me in the 10 seconds it took to get from A to B. What are you looking for? I realize that I rarely know the answer to that question. I mean, it's sometimes. Maybe if it's my car keys or my child's homework. Maybe it's the show that I wanted to stream, but I can't find it in the endless list of things I'm scrolling through. But more often than not, I have no idea how to answer the question, what are you looking for? Seems like an easy question but I always struggle with it. Here in the Gospel of John, however, these are the very first words we hear from Jesus in the entire Gospel of John. It's this question. Not the Beatitudes, not a parable, this simple and profoundly difficult question. What are you looking for? Right? We enter the story where John the Baptist has identified who Jesus is to anyone who will listen. He's calling them out as the Lamb of God. He's calling him out as the chosen one, as God's son. In fact, he so convincingly uplifted Jesus 
that he starts losing disciples to him. He says, here's the Lamb of God, and two, just take off and leave John behind and follow Jesus, a total stranger to them. At this point, if you're Jesus, it would make sense to question the two lurking strangers that he notices suddenly following him. I could understand Jesus giving a curt, can I help you? Or a nervous, back off, I know karate, something like that. After all, he doesn't have any followers yet. There is no crowd. He's just walking along by the lake by himself. He has no disciples yet, no onlookers, no one asking him any questions. He's just walking alone, and then a couple of randos start following him. That's got to be weird, even for Jesus. Even if he knew one day he'd have a crowd. This warrants some kind of interrogation. So he turns, and he asks them a question. And we know, because it's Jesus, that it's deeper It's a deeper inquiry than just that of a creeped-out pedestrian wanting to know what's going on with these two. In fact, you might argue it's the deepest and most important question he could pose to these, his inaugural converts of his brand-new flock. What are you looking for? Ask God to their faces. What are you looking for? It's a big question. This might seem like a strange thought experiment, but I want tonight for you to consider how you would answer that question if Jesus asked it to you right now. I mean, let's use our, what do we call them, imagination caps in school. Imagine you were at a lake, and it's just you alone with God, and imagine God looked at you in the eye and sincerely asked, what are you looking for? Right? This is worth considering. It's a, one of those define the relationships kind of question. In fact, I'm going to do something I don't know that I've ever done in a sermon before. We're going to take a minute, and you've got a card hopefully on the way in. If not, just grab one of the random pieces of paper in front of you. There's pencils and stuff. We're actually going to take a minute here, and I, I'm not going to ask for these. I'm not going to ask you to share them. You can be as completely honest as you want. You can throw it out on the way out if you want to. I've tried to ask myself this question this week. How would I answer? And so I want you to go ahead and do that now. Take a minute, pull out the piece of paper, imagine God looking you in the eye right now and asking, what are you looking for? How would you answer? And for those of you who may be watching the stream or listening to the podcast, I'm not going to edit this out, so you can do it wherever you are too. I'll just be quiet here for a minute and let you answer. there's a very fine line between giving everyone enough time and an awkward amount of silence in church. I'm trying to 
figure that out. Allow me to give you permission to keep writing if you want to. You may not know how to answer that question. What are you looking for? I know I asked myself that question a lot this week because I was going through this, and I struggled with it. You know I struggled with that question even if I'm just standing in front of my open refrigerator, let alone looking at God in the face, right? But as I thought about it, I did realize, for me, the question of what I was looking for from God, the answer to that question has changed wildly at different points in my life. I grew up in church, in Christian school. I was in Sunday school class or Bible class six out of seven days a week my entire life growing up. When I was little, what I was looking for from God when I was little, I was looking for God to make me good. I wanted to be a good kid. I strongly identified, based on a lot of the lessons I'd heard and the things I'd been told, being God's child meant being a good kid. I knew that if I could keep the rules not do the big bad stuff, then I would be safe. I would be good. I was looking for God to help me be that good kid because I also knew myself well enough to know I didn't always do a great job of that on my own. And I felt kind of bad about it. I was made to feel really bad about it most Sundays. More accurately, I felt terrible about the inevitable consequences I knew would come my way if I didn't learn how to be good. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to be good because I was looking to avoid punishment and to get rewarded, right? That's how it works with a lot of our kids, too. When I was a kid, I was looking for God to make me good. I gave up on that pursuit by the time I was a teenager. Being good didn't seem to be in the cards necessarily. So when I was a teenager, I was looking to be lovable. That's what I wanted. With the glaring exception of my family, I had a wonderful family, but with the glaring exception of my family, I felt universally disliked or worse, even like invisible, like a non-factor. I knew that the good kid I wanted to be was a bridge too far for me, and it didn't seem to get me very far, even if I did manage it at different points. I didn't like myself a whole lot. Didn't feel like other people liked me a whole lot, right? I had these feelings about the world and questions about God that I was not supposed to have, so I kept them to myself. I seemed to have no control over a lot of the things I was supposed to be in control of and keep under wraps. I'm not sure if you grew up in kind of a purity culture church like I did. But I was warned that God would judge me harshly for not controlling the things I was supposed to control. I was warned that I wasn't even supposed to have thoughts about girls, And I definitely did. A lot. (laughs) So I knew. I mean, I really knew. And we had a theology that talked about how terrible we were as people. And I knew I must be the lowest and worst sinner of all time. And I was struggling with things that no one else struggled with. And I was thinking things that no good person could think. I was filled with shame and with self-hatred. Now I know that's just called puberty. Would have been nice if someone had mentioned that to me in church. But I knew God was disappointed in me. I knew that if anyone really knew what was going on inside of me, what I was thinking, who I really was, they wouldn't like me either. I was looking to be lovable. That's what I wanted from God. 
By the time I got to college, I was looking for something else. I had reconciled myself, thankfully, to some people who led me in that direction. I reconciled myself to God's unconditional love, that it wasn't, I didn't need to become lovable because I was already loved and already accepted as I was. That was really good news for me, perhaps the best thing I've ever learned. Once I learned that, I felt called to some bigger and more divine purpose. And what I was looking for at that point, if God had said, what are you looking for? I was looking to be important. I felt called to something big, some divine purpose, right? I wanted to preach to millions. I wanted to think deep and profound things that would change people's lives. I wanted to live in the trenches doing ministry, changing people. I wanted the admiration and awe, if I'm honest, of all those who wondered, how does he do it? I was looking to be important. After college as an adult, I've spent a lot of my time looking to God for security, safety. Kind of let go of the need to be important to everybody. I wanted a good job. I wanted good health for me and the ones I loved. I was looking for safety and security for me and for my family. That's what I was looking for from God. I look back on how I would have answered that question all throughout my life, and I'm pretty suspect of most of those answers, if not all of them, right? Wanting to, looking to be good, looking to be lovable, looking to be important, looking to be secure, are really no longer things I think about in regards to my relationship with Christ. I'm not looking for those things anymore. I struggled to answer that question this week. I should know the answer. I'm a minister. I'm giving this sermon, right? But it was just a difficult question for me. I don't know, maybe not for you. Some of you look like you answered really quick. And it kind of hurt my feelings. But I look at the way in this passage that the disciples immediately answer this very deep and profound question by Jesus, and it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Jesus looks at these two people he's just meeting who are starting to follow him, and Jesus says, what are you looking for to these strangers? And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? That's their answer, kind of. If you can call that, is that an answer? I don't know. Honestly, it kind of feels like they pulled a Jesus on Jesus. Like they asked an unrelated question in response to a direct question from someone else. That's Jesus' job. What are you looking for? Rabbi, where are you staying? Are they changing the subject? Are they just as bad at answering this question as I am? Maybe some of you are, not the ones who looked up immediately, who obviously answered it easily. But us humans, I don't know, but I don't think so. By the end of this week, as I kept thinking about this and studying this and feeling like this is the direction to go with the sermon, by the end of the week, I think maybe, and this is rare for Jesus' disciples, I think maybe they gave exactly the right answer. They get a lot wrong in the Gospels, but I think maybe they got this one right. It sounds like a non sequitur. It sounds like they're changing the subject, but I don't think so. I think they were looking for a rabbi, a teacher, a leader. They were looking for someone to follow and to learn from. They were looking to put their feet in someone else's footprints, to walk, and to talk, and to listen, and to learn from someone who might show them how they were made to live in this world. They were looking for a rabbi. They were looking for a teacher. And they wanted to know where Jesus was headed because that's where they wanted to go. 
I would argue they answered this question just about perfectly. They are looking for the thing that Jesus is actually offering himself. He's not offering success. He's not offering perfection. He's not even offering protection. What Jesus always offers is himself. Why? Because according to Jesus, he is the right way. According to Jesus, he is what is most true about God and what humanity is intended to be. And according to Jesus, he is life as it's intended to be lived. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And the way to God is to stick close to him. Jesus offers himself. I know that we look for all kinds of things from God. I constantly do. Don't know about you. But at the end of the day, what if what Jesus really offers is just himself? What if this has always been what following him is all about? It's not about some magical Santa getting our wish list fulfilled. It's not about becoming more popular or respected or successful or even more safe, as much as I would love it to be that. It's about having someone to follow, someone and something to orient our lives around, some measure of what is good and true and worth our time, someone to learn from, to imitate, someone to be with, someone with which we can abide. I suppose how we answer that question from Jesus goes a long way towards defining our relationship with him. Maybe that thought experiment didn't really raise any red flags for you, but it kind of did for me, to be honest. So maybe we can close tonight by thinking through those questions. What are we looking for from Jesus? A fulfiller of our wishes? A bodyguard or a benefactor? Are we looking for someone to give us the success and security and power and safety we've always dreamed of? Because people of faith have been looking for all kinds of things from Jesus, good, bad, and ugly, ourselves included. But ultimately, what Jesus offers is himself. And I'm not sure we can really want much more than that. Let's pray. God, we confess that we um, very often look to get things from you that you have never intended to give us. We look to you not as the source of truth and goodness and love. We look to you not as the one whom we should imitate and follow But we look for you to fulfill and complete all those things we want for ourselves. God, tonight we ask that you help us to reconcile and wrestle with the idea that what you are offering is yourself. What you are offering is 
a better way to be human. What you're offering is a full picture of who God really is and who God is not. What you are offering is what is most true uh, in a world filled with untruth. So God, tonight we uh, recommit ourselves to the very thing you are actually trying to give us, yourself. Lord, may that be enough for us. God, we do love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.